Hello everyone, welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church Podcast. Here you'll find archived all of our previous messages dating back to late 2020. Our hope is that today's message would be encouraging to your walk with Christ. We also want to thank you for spending time listening today and encourage you to share these messages with a friend so they too might hear the Word of God. But for now, grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get to it. Turn with me this morning to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. I love being a dad. It is one of the greatest blessings I could ever imagine. It is also one of the hardest jobs I could ever imagine. And I remember when we were pregnant with Elijah that friends of ours said, DJ, this is going to be the hardest job you'll ever love. The tears, the concerns, but also the tears of joy and the laughter and the blessings. There is nothing like being a dad. But there is a responsibility to being a dad that we need to talk about today. Yes, it is an incredible blessing. Yes, there are joys unspeakable. There is laughter. There is fun to the point of exhaustion. But there is a responsibility because you see, God has revealed Himself to us as Father. He is our Holy Father. And so each of us who bears the name Father, we have a dual responsibility. We have a responsibility not only to our children, but a responsibility to Him to reflect the fatherhood of God as we father our children. Now, in this study, we are looking at the Spirit-filled home. Starting back in chapter 5, verse 18, we are to yield control to the Holy Spirit. And if we do that, the fruit of that will show itself in our corporate praise, but it will also show itself in our submission to one another. And as we've seen over the last number of weeks, that submission can also take the form of the responsibilities that we have to fulfill the commands and the roles that Not society, but God has given to each and every one of us. Whatever your role in the family may be as a child, as a spouse, or as a parent. Now, we're going to talk to parents today, but specifically we're going to talk to fathers. Because the weight of the responsibility is placed on our shoulders primarily to bear the image of the Heavenly Father. Certainly, there are responsibilities for the mom as well. But Paul singles out the dads here, and we're going to see why as we look at this single verse today, but I think you're going to see there's a lot packed into this verse. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but 
bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We've talked about what being a spirit-filled wife looks like, what being a spirit-filled husband looks like, what being a spirit-filled child looks like. And now Paul tells us in verse 4 that the spirit-filled father, if you are truly filled with the Holy Spirit, if, Dad, you are truly yielded to the leadership and the empowerment of God the Spirit Himself living inside of you, the fruit of that will be that you as a father will train your child to follow Christ. Will train your child to follow Christ. Now, before we begin to look at this verse specifically, let's take a few moments to just give us some context here. Remember what we've already seen. Parenting begins with the parents. It begins with Specifically, we're talking to fathers. So it specifically begins, Dad, with you loving your wife. As Christ loved the church. If you want to train your child to follow Christ and you're not loving your wife like Christ loved the church, you're not going to be an example that they can follow. I like what Charles Shedd said about this. Quote, a father's first responsibility to his child is to love his wife. The most favored children in the world are those whose parents love each other. Dads, that's the greatest gift you can get. You say, well, you don't know their mom. Listen. <laughs> I told you a couple weeks ago, when you wore that black tux at that wedding, you were in a funeral. It was your funeral. It was. You died to yourself that day. Before God, you have a commitment. Your standard is not the neighbor. Your standard is not the preacher. Your standard is Jesus Christ. You are to love your wife as Christ loved the church. That is not my opinion. That is God's command. L listen, there's a plaque that used to hang in, in our bathroom at home when I was a kid. In our bathroom. And I guess because... You spend a lot of time in the restroom, don't you? And you, you like to do some reading in there. So every, every day I saw that plaque, and that, that plaque said, the greatest gift a dad can give his kids is to love their mom. That's what it said. And that's what uh, my dad has modeled for me. That's what I, by the grace of God, will model for my son as well. So if you haven't got that right, guys, uh, still listen, still pay attention, but you're going to go get, have to go get that fixed first. Parenting begins, dads, with you loving your wife. And I would just add, for the moms, it begins with you being submissive to your husband as well. Number two, I don't care what society says. You see how screwed up society is? You see how screwed up it is? You see what happens when you take God's word away from the foundation and when every man does what is right in his own eyes? Parenting and specifically parental instruction. Parental instruction should be overseen by the father. That's God's command. That doesn't mean, Dad, that you do all the teaching. It does not. But it means that you make sure they're being taught. And you're careful about what they're being taught. 
we were letting Elijah watch a cartoon. It was an older cartoon. We thought it was pretty safe. And the other day, uh, Elijah said to me, uh, Daddy, uh, Isabel has two mommies. I said, excuse me? Who's Isabel? He said, well, it's a character on this cartoon. I said, well, we're not watching that cartoon anymore. That's not me being a bigot. That's me being obedient to God's word. Because God has decided. God designed families, not, not society. Not society. God, God designed the family unit. And God says you need a mom and you need a dad. You don't need two dads. You don't need two moms. You need a mom and a dad. That's what God says. That's Romans chapter 1 if you want to read it for yourself. And I would just caution you. I would caution you as your pastor that Romans chapter 1 includes a warning to those of you who aren't committing the sins but are condoning them. There's a warning for you as well. That's another sermon for another time. But parental instruction should be overseen by the father. Now again, the mother is obviously included in that. We don't take this one verse and build an entire system of belief just on one verse. Even in the book of Proverbs, written by Solomon under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Solomon gives instruction to his son, but he also several times says, and listen to your mama too. Listen to your mama too. Now, if you, if you know Solomon at first, when Solomon, you read the, the Song of Solomon, Solomon's first wife was an amazing woman. I personally believe that she died in childbirth. I, I believe there are some hints of that in the book of Ecclesiastes, as well as how the book of Song of Solomon ends. Love is as strong as death. It's jealousy as unyielding as the grave. But of that wife, he could say, son, listen to your mama. Listen to your mama. And Malachi tells us that the reason that there is marriage, the reason that man and woman become one flesh is because God wants a godly offspring. And that means that it is God's design for man and wife to work together in the raising of the children. Not all on mama, but not all on dad either. Nevertheless, just as the man is the head of the wife, meaning he is the one who bears the responsibility for the marriage, so also is the man the head of the house. He bears the responsibility. It doesn't mean that dad gets to say everything that, and make all the rules by himself. It doesn't mean that, that dad is the king. Remember, we went, we went through that uh, study a few weeks ago. Dad is not the boss. Dad is not the bear. Dad is not the bully, okay? Dad is, though, the one responsible before a righteous and holy God. The wife is the helpmate. God is not mother. He is not. That's blasphemy. God is father. He gets to reveal himself how he wants to, not how society thinks he should reveal himself. And you have an issue with that. You will get to stand before him. I doubt you'd be bringing that up when you do. Okay, I don't think that's going to be first on your mind. Number three. The Bible is our manual for Christian living. But let me say this right at the outset. It does not just give us one model for biblical parenting. Now, it's your manual for Christian living, but there's not one, one program in this book. The Bible gives you principles. The Bible gives you 
parenting principles and parenting promises, but there's not a, a one a, a biblical program for parenting in this book. There's not. You know why? Because every kid's different. Every kid is different. And some of you have more than one kid, and I don't need to tell you this. You figured this out real fast. You figured this out real fast. In fact, Nicole was just telling me the other day how much different Mabel is from Judah. Already she sees that. She says, it's just amazing how they're so different. They have the same DNA, the same environment, and they're so different. Every kid is different, guys. What works for the first is not necessarily going to work for the second. And by the way, what worked for your kids, feel free to share it. Doesn't mean it's going to work for somebody else's kids. Well, the way that we did it was. <laughs> uh, there was a, uh, a man named uh, John Wilmot. He was the Earl of Rochester. He said this. He said, before I was married, I had three theories about raising children. Now I have three children and no theories. <laughs> They're all different. Now, I know I've only got one, but I've been working with kids since I was one. I've been working with kids since I was 19. So uh, 30 years, and I've seen what works for one kid does not work for, for the next kid. And so the Bible does not say you got to do this, this, and this. If your kid's angry, you do this, this, and this. If your kid's uh, sad, you do this, this, and this. That's not, that's not what the Bible's for, okay? Because every kid's different. And what I've already found in five, almost six years is that five-year-old Elijah is different than four-year-old Elijah. Is different than three-year-old Elijah. So just, and I had friends that told me this too. Hey, just when you think, just when you settled in, eh, he, eh, it blows up, right? <laughs> it changes. So what we need to do, uh, parents and dads, is we need some guidelines. We need some guardrails. And yeah, there's going to be a lot of room to move around in between. But this is not train, these are not train tracks I'm giving you, okay? These are guide rails. These are these are boundaries that we as parents and especially as dads need to operate in if we want to raise children the way that God has called us to raise children. The point is you need to be listening to the Holy Spirit. That's why in our, in our Sunday morning Bible study, we've been studying the book of Proverbs, looking at different biblical principles that we need to be applying to our lives. For parents, there's a lot of things we can apply from Proverbs to our parenting uh, to our marriages, uh, to our jobs, whatever. But the prayer I always go back to, James chapter 1, if any man lacks wisdom, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. <laughs> we need to be asking for God's wisdom with, with our kids every single day. God, help me know how to best parent my child in this moment. So let me give you some guidelines, fathers, as we look at this Verse again, ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. <clears throat> Let me give you some guidelines. Number one, be present, not passive. Be present. And I don't just mean physically present. I don't just mean in the room, in the house. I mean you need to be active in your role as a dad. I know you're tired when you get home. I know you've been working all day. I know you want to kick up your feet and you want to sit in the easy chair or on the couch. And I know you want to uh, let the wife take care of the kids and, get, and she can get the homework done and all of that. And you just want to rest until you do it all over again tomorrow. But guess what? When you had kids, that 
went out the window. My dad gets to do that now. <laughs> now he can do that. Uh, not when I was six. Not when I was 12. And he was pulling his hair out, helping me get my homework done. <laughs> we have a role to play, guys. We, ha- we have to be present in our parenting role. And we need to accept that we are primarily responsible for what our children is taught and for their nurture not the government it's not god has given the government again another message for another time but romans 13 god has created the government to fulfill the role of justice not to fill the role of parents it is not do not raise your child to be dependent on the government do not raise your child to believe everything the government tells them because the government would love to indoctrinate your children and would love for them to be dependent on them. It's not the government's role to raise your kids. It's your responsibility. Now, I'm not saying, I, I, some of you, are you saying you shouldn't send your kids to public school? I'm not saying that it's wrong for every family to do that. I'm not. But I will say if, if the Lord leads you to send your kids to public school, you have your work cut out for you. You have your work cut out for you. And, and Lord's going to leave. I'm not going to put a yoke on you that the Bible doesn't put on us. But every family has got to make the decision for their own family. Are we going to homeschool? Are we able to do that? Are we going to send them to a Christian school like uh, CCA or Lighthouse? Are we going to uh, go that route? Are we going to send them to our local school and be very active? Because if COVID, uh, if there are anything good that, come, that has come out of this a catastrophe, which is the handling of the crisis the past couple of years, is that now we know what's being taught in a lot of the classrooms around the country. And it's horrendous. It's horrendous. So it, you do what you feel led to do, but understand that you have a role and don't be passive. By the way, it's not the church's job to raise your kids either. We have a mission as a church. Mark sixteen fifteen, Matthew chapter 28, 19 and 20. Really, 18 and 20. Preach the gospel to every creature. Make disciples of all nations. And behold, focus on this. Jesus is with us until He comes back. Until the end of the age. That's our job as a church. We're to evangelize. And by the way, if you're saved, that's, that is your job as well. And it starts at home. It starts with evangelizing your own kids. It starts with discipling your own kids. It starts with worshiping in your own family. It starts there, but it doesn't end there because the church is called not just to your kids, but to the whole world. We have a mission to the world to preach the gospel, to make disciples of all nations because we want as many people as can be to be there when that trumpet sounds. That as many can go with us as we can because what is going to happen afterwards is going to be literal hell on earth. Literal hell. Like Revelation chapter 9, the bottomless pit opening up. Literally hell on earth. We want as many kids as possible. But listen, we are here to help evangelize your kids and everybody's kids and to help disciple your kids and everybody's kids and to help your kids learn how to worship and everybody's kids but we're not here to raise your kids. We're not here to raise your kids. You cannot put that responsibility off on anybody else. Number two, 
be plausible, not pharisaical. Be plausible, not pharisaical. Let's step back for a moment in chapter 4, verse 15. Speak the truth in love. Now that's not a parenting passage, but it's a parenting principle. Because everything that applies outside the home doubly applies inside the home. You better be speaking the truth in love to your kids. Don't tell your kids one thing if they can see that you're not doing it yourself. Don't be a hypocrite. Now, I know that we all struggle. Be honest about your struggles. Don't be specific about your struggles, okay? Your kids, don't weigh them down with all of that. You don't have to be overly specific about what you are struggling with with your kids. But be vulnerable, be transparent. Hey, I'm not perfect either. One of the things I tried to to teach Elijah because he has a, a, a perfectionist father is, and I don't want that tendency to consume him, is, hey, listen, daddy makes mistakes too. Daddy needs forgiveness too. That's why Jesus died for us, Elijah. That's why Jesus had to come and die for our sins because daddy's a sinner too. We're all sinners. Now he rose again and we can be forgiven because of that. But we all make mistakes and we all need to be honest and repent and we need to be forgiven of that. So be Plausible, you have to practice what you preach because you are preaching whatever you're practicing. We say more without words than we do with words. That doesn't mean that we stop using words. So don't send your kids to church. Bring them to church. Bring them to church. Don't just send them to Awana. Bring them to Awana. And either you can you can either help serve when uh, I know Awana just ended, but we got VBS coming up. Uh, don't just send them, bring them, get involved, get involved in their lives, get involved in the ministry of the church. And even if you don't feel led to be over there uh, at Awana during the Awana time, hey, we have prayer meeting here every Wednesday night. We are, we spend time in God's Word together. We spend time in prayer for each other. It is Wednesday nights are, are a great service. They really are. I, I'm excited that we have uh, uh, people coming out on Wednesday night for the Lord, for praying. But my point, I know that not everybody can do that. I know every, every jobs and everything. I understand that. See, it's easy for you. You're paid to be there. Sure, I get that. I get that. Not always, though. I wasn't always. But it, we need to show our kids that God is our number one priority. So be plausible, not pharisaical, as you speak the truth in love. Number three, and this gets us really now, really into the verse. Provoke not, fathers, your children to wrath. Dads, be patient, not provoking. Be patient with your kids, not provoking. The way that Paul says it in Colossians chapter 3 is, is, dads, don't exasperate your kids. Don't frustrate them. Don't push and push and push. Listen, if you were a coach or are a coach, great. But your kid is not your football team out on the field. And if you are in the military, thank you for your service, sincerely. But your child is not in boot camp. Okay? You're going to have to be patient with your children let them be kids the world wants to steal their childhood at every turn 
They want to steal their innocence. They want to steal their childhood. Let your kid be a kid. Now, I'm, I'm preaching at myself as well because uh, parenting can be exhausting when you answer the same question for the 20th time in five minutes. Not because they didn't hear you, because they want a different answer. We're not buying it. We're not buying it. We're not buying it. Okay, I did buy it. <laughs> Honey, he doesn't know I bought it yet, but it's, it's on the, it's, I got it on the Amazon. It's on the way. All right, so. I mean, he's graduating from kindergarten soon. He needs a little bit of a, you know, graduation prize, so. But be patient with your kids. I, I, I've heard the, I heard this when I was, I hated this when I was a kid. And I heard somebody else's parents say, why aren't you more like so-and-so? You know what I'd like to say to them today? Why aren't you more like so-and-so's parents? You want to know why they're so different? Uh, starts with the parenting, buddy. So every kid is different, and kids have different strengths, and diff- kids have different weaknesses. And I know if it, some of you, you think, man, I, if only my kid were more athletic, or if only my kid were more academic, or if only my kid were more artistic, or if only my kid were more social, whatever. Listen, God created your child, and he entrusted them to you to raise. But, it, but listen, we're getting to the crazy point where people are going to genetically choose their, and try to put that. That's not going to work. I can tell you that right now. I know how, I've read the end of the book. It ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. But it's going to be tried. But God is the one who puts our children together. Expect your kids to act like kids. Listen, this is, a, this is part of the fruit of the Spirit, right? Long-suffering is a fruit, an aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. Kindness is one of the evidences in your life that you are producing the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Dr. Woodrow Kroll said, Your children are blessed with only one childhood. Let them enjoy that blessing. It's great you want them to be a superstar athlete. That's great if they're, if they're interested in that. But don't force your kids into stuff that, that you want to relive your childhood through them. Don't force that on your kids. Let your, let your kid dis- discover who God made them to be. What God made them to enjoy. Some of your kids are going to love music. Some of your kids are going to love sports. Some of your kids are going to love both. Fantastic. But don't force them into what you think a child should be. Be patient, dads, not provoking. Number four, be positive, not pessimistic. Bring them up, not bring them down. Bring them up. Now, there's sometimes, parents, you're going to have to get real about the sin in your kids' lives. And you're going to have to confront the sin. But in condemning the sin, don't condemn the child. In condemning the sin, don't destroy their self-image. Don't destroy their sense of wonder and their sense of joy just because of the sin issue. Deal with the sin. Call it sin. Confront the sin. Discipline the sin. But don't be so pessimistic. You'll never, you'll never grow up. You'll never do this. You'll never achieve that. You better take that to the altar. 
And that's, I'm not, whether you come here to the literal altar or not, or whether where you are seated, I wouldn't even wait till the end of the service. You better take that to the altar right now. Because we are to bring our children up. You cannot build up a child by tearing him or by tearing her down every single day. For Some, some of you are so negative and so critical. I don't know who is hearing this because I'm not in your homes. I know enough that, listen, I've been in the car on the way to church on a Sunday morning, right? And then you get to church and everybody's happy all of a sudden. But I'm, I'm like, we're... Really? Because for the last 15 minutes, that's not who I saw in the car. Right? So I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but you know, the Holy Spirit knows. Don't be a pessimist. Be positive with your children. Parental discipline should be driven by love, never anger. Parental discipline should be corrective, never punitive. I wouldn't recommend a Disney movie anymore, but um, when I was a kid, one of my favorite movies when I was a little kid was The Parent Trap. Y'all remember that movie? I love that movie. The, the old one, the Haley Mills one. That was a fantastic movie. Also, I had a thing for Maureen O'Hara even as a kid. But um, <laughs> I remember at the, towards the beginning of the movie, before they find out they're sisters, I gave away the plot of the movie. The girls are sisters. Um, they were fighting each other. They hated each other. And I remember that old woman saying, let the punishment fit the crime. Let the punishment fit the crime. <laughs> and that stuck, stuck with me forever. But that's great advice. Punish the crime. Let the punishment fit the crime. Don't be punitive with your children in disciplining them. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. And what that means, you say, well, they, uh, they're departing from it. Well, that means you've you got to keep training them. <laughs> you've got to keep investing in them. Now, I know, that I know from experience, I'm 49 years old, I don't listen to my parents like I used to listen to my parents, but you can still pray for them. And I do still listen to my parents. I, I mean, I take their advice. I go to them for advice, for counsel, and for uh, fellowship. Be someone who trains up, not who tears down. Number five. Provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You have to be purposeful, Dad, not just preoccupied. I know you're busy, but what are you busy doing? Because God hasn't called you to raise a superstar athlete. That's great, if, that's great if they are great at athletics. That's great if they get a scholarship. Fantastic. That's not a biblical command to you from God Himself. That's great if your kids are, are into the arts. That's great. That's fantastic. I love music. I love theater. God hasn't called you to raise an actor or an actress. I'm uh, fantastic if your kid is a straight A student. Fantastic. God hasn't called you to raise a scholar or the next scientist. God has called you to raise children who know how to. Now, you can't make the choice for them, but God has called you to raise children who know how to follow Christ. Who know how. 
who know who Jesus is, who know what Jesus did for them. Again, dads, you're not, you're, you're not going to be probably the primary teacher in your child's life, but you better make sure they're being taught. And you better, be, you better make sure that you know what they're being taught. Be purposeful, not preoccupied. Our calendars are full, but many times our spirits are empty. And we need to get our priorities straight. So let me give you three more things, guys, as we close this. Bring them up. We already talked about that. But what are we bringing them up to? To maturity, to independence, to adulthood. Our parenting has a goal. I am supposed to prepare my child for life. For adulthood. Because if the Lord tarries, and I don't know how long he will, but if the Lord tarries, there's a day coming when I'm going to be handing him the keys and he's going to be driving off to who knows where. And he better have some guidelines in his character, not just in his comfort zone that are going to direct where he goes with those keys. And then he may go off to college. Who knows how the Lord will lead him? He may go to trade school. He may, I don't know what the Lord's going to do. He may start his own business out of high school. I have no idea what God's going to call him to do. But at some point, he's going to be outside of my home. And I need to be preparing him, even at a, at a young age, for the day that that's coming. And of course, that happens incrementally, right? We don't just throw all, we don't just throw all that weight on our kids. But it, this is why we say the Bible gives us principles, not a program. Because every child is different. Every child is ready for more and more responsibility at a different age. We have to prayerfully discern asking the Holy Spirit for His wisdom and guidance in that, in how to raise up our children. The word here is nourishment. It's the same word that He uses for how we nourish our bodies in chapter 5, men. We love our food, don't we guys? We love our food. We love our food. We nourish our bodies. In chapter 5 says you better be nourishing your wife the way you nourish your body. And in chapter 6 here, he says you better be nourishing your kids the way you nourish your body. And of course, we're not talking just about physical food here. We're not talking about sitting around the dinner table, although that uh, it is important that we provide those things for our family as well. But he's talking about the spiritual feeding of God's Word. The spiritual nourishment. The spiritual nurture. Make sure that you get your kids to church, make sure that you get them to the studying of God's word. It's amazing how much my five-year-old already understands. It's amazing because he's taught. He's taught by us. He's taught at school. He goes to kindergarten at CCA and he's memorizing Bible verses and he comes home and he tells me stories uh, about things that happened in the Bible. And yeah, he's got some of the details a little out of whack yet. We're working on that, but it's amazing how much he knows already. They're sponges at that age, guys. They're sponges. So make sure you put them in the right tub of water because they're going to soak up whatever they are or whatever they're surrounded with. So bring them up. Number two, in the nurture of the Lord. Again, nurture here. Greek word is instruction that trains someone to reach full development or, true, or full maturity. It's a process, but it, we need to be part of that process. And it's the process of training them up in the admonition of the Lord. Do they know more about Jesus Christ and about how to follow Him 
because of how you have taught them and how you have made sure they were taught. The decision to follow is theirs. You can't make that decision for them. That's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is that I give them the opportunity. Did I give them the opportunity so that when they stand before God, they can't say, well, my parents didn't. My, now, that's not going to work anyways, right? That's not gonna, I, I'll just give you the heads up right now. That's not going to work. But God will hold us responsible as parents for how we enabled our kids to either grow spiritually or how we enabled them to wither. The choice will be theirs, but we're responsible for the direction. And then in the admonition of the Lord. The admonition, dads. Now, don't provoke them. Don't aggravate them. Don't poke at them. Don't destroy their character as you attack their sin. But this parenting today, where we, we don't tell our kids no, it just crushes their little spirits. We don't, we don't tell our kids no. I, I have friends, I'm like, you know, um, studies have shown, studies have shown, you know that uh, there's a research uh, uh, organization that when I was in college, it was always like, well, this research says and this research says, do you know that that, that that particular research institute is no longer even recognized in most institutions because, they're, because it's been shown that they're so biased in their studies that have shown that a lot of colleges won't even don't even consider them academic academically qualified anymore what does god's word say what does god's word say guys you gotta learn to tell your kids no you gotta learn to tell your kids no now i know that some of you think if i tell my kids no they're not gonna like me they're not gonna be happy with me they're and it's gonna, they're going to feel bad. And, and isn't it better to just always be positive? Well, yeah, if you think that you are smarter than God. Because this is not just a book of no's, but there is a whole lot of no in this book. A whole lot of no. Now, I saw this uh, uh, many years ago. I'm going to play a little clip here uh, to kind of help express this idea of the importance of teaching our kids no. I'm just going to turn it over to the video for a second. You know what they call me at home? My kids, my nickname, they call me Dr. No. <laughs> Dr. No. You know why? Because I give them a lot of no. A lot of no. Go to mom for yes. You come to me, you're going to get no, probably. <laughs> it is. I call it the gift of no. A lot of kids get too much yes. We've got to give them some more no. It'll bless them. No? Try it, parents. Daddy, can I have that? No. <laughs> can I have the keys to the car? Let's see here. No. Can I go over there? Nope. Can I spend the night over there? Hmm, this old man, he said, no. <laughs> Get creative. Eeny, meeny, miny, no. Now you're just somebody that I used to. No. <laughs> there, are, there are so many fun ways to say no. <laughs> And my daughter tries to guilt trip me, you know. Daddy, I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Sweetie, I am your father, not your friend. 
I love you. I'd die for you. I'd give my life for you, honey, but I'm not your friend. I tell you what, you start knocking out some of these bills, we are BFFs, little lady, okay? That changes everything. But until that happens, <laughs> no. You are not blessing your kids by simply telling them what they want to hear. The admonition of the Lord means that we need to warn them that they will stand before God someday. We're not just preparing our kids for adulthood, folks. We're preparing them and should be preparing ourselves for the day we will stand before Jesus Christ and we will give an account. And so there's a lot of no in the Bible. Now, it's not just a book of no. It's not, but there is a lot of no. You need to admonish and counsel and warn your kids not to disobey God's word. Not because you want to be mean. Maybe you add a little funny to it to soften the mean. But because if you really love them, you don't want them to hurt yourselves, hurt themselves. And every time God says no, what he's really saying is don't hurt yourselves. Guys, if we're spirit-filled, it's the kind of dad we're going to be. Let's close in prayer as we stand together. Father, thank you as a loving father that you discipline your children. And Father, thank you that you make the offer of becoming your children to every single person, Father. You died for every single person when you sent Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died for every single person on this planet. He shed his blood to pay for their sin. He rose again victorious. God, we can be forgiven and we can be born again, have eternal life brought into your family by your grace. God, we need to call on you. Father, if there is somebody, they're not part of your family yet. I pray this would be the day when they'd recognize their need for forgiveness and that you sent the only Savior, Jesus Christ, and that they would place their faith and trust in him. But Father, for those of us who are forgiven, we are saved, we're part of your family, God, may we be reminded of the importance, eternal importance, of reflecting your heart to our kids and parenting them the way you have called us to parent, not the way society wants us to. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The altar is open if you have a need. Let's sing this hymn together as we close. Oh, wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Lord. Hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock where rivers of pleasure I see. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock that shadows a dry, thirsty. He hideth my life in the depths of His love and covers me there with His hand and covers me there with His hand. Father, we thank You again for Your mercy and grace. We love You. We ask for your strength and for your forgiveness where we failed you so many times. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please be seated as we say goodbye to our uh, live stream?
something that we need to talk about together here for a moment as a church. We thank you for, God, the leading of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the unity that he provides and, God, the wisdom that he provides. And so, Father, you know, Nick and Nicole uh, are such a blessing to our church, and we just, uh, God, ask that as they go through this time of transition, your spirit will continue to lead and, and uh, guide and uh, uh, provide, God, for them. And, uh, God, we uh, know uh, that you have uh, uh, great plans for them, and just help them, God, as they discern your leading in, in their family. And, and, Father, we lift up our youth to you now. I know that um, this is a, a painful time for our teens and so, God, we ask for comfort for them and for uh, direction for us as a church to find uh, the man, uh, God, that you have called uh, to this church already. God, we already know that uh, you have someone that you are uh, preparing and bringing. And so, God, we pray for wisdom and on our part in how to uh, find that, that man and discern that. And so, God, give us uh, your leading as well. Father, uh, we thank you. Uh, for the privilege of being part of the family of God and the support and the comfort that you bring to us through our brothers and sisters. And so, God, we give you all the glory this morning. We love you. We thank you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed. That's all for today. I hope this has made a positive impact in your relationship with Jesus. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, and you'd like to know how, give one of our pastors a call at 301-724-5876. We would love nothing more than to share the good news with you. If you've never joined us in person, we have services multiple times throughout the week that we would love to see you at. They are Sunday morning Bible study at 9.15 a.m., Sunday morning service at 10.30 a.m., Sunday evening service at 6.30 p.m., and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. We also have opportunities for our students to gather youth group for grades 6 through 12 meets at 6 o'clock p.m. on Sundays, and our WANA program for 6th grade and under meets at 6.15 p.m. on Wednesdays. Again, we thank you for joining us today, and we hope to see you soon. But until next time, stay faithful.